Think you hate marketing? Think again. Here on the Marketing Chat Podcast, I share practical, relatable tips to make marketing easy and fun. I'm Kelly, a marketing strategist, Squarespace website designer, and founder of the Women Podcasters Academy. I'll be breaking down big ideas into actionable steps so you can get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Today's episode is brought to you by the Women Podcasters Academy. The Academy features a full course and supportive community to help you start and grow your own podcast. You can find more information at womenpodcastersacademy.com. Welcome. Today, I'm interviewing my friend Denise D on uncertainty, how it affects our lives and the decisions we make. Denise is a writer, performer, and creator of Tell Your Story. She has a totally unique perspective on the world that she uses to create powerful new meanings for old concepts that help her clients break free of their old stories. Welcome, Denise. I am so happy you're here today. I'm thrilled to be here with you. This is exciting. I'm a little bit nervous, which I'm usually not. So I feel like (laughs) that means we're going to get into some great topics. Oh, definitely. Don't we always? Yeah, our chats are just fabulous and so interesting. So I'm really looking forward to this. So I want to start out asking you about your background or having you tell listeners about your background and some of the things you've done over the years. I am someone who saw things that I didn't have words for when I was a child, and I think that's informed a lot of my life. I'm the granddaughter of Polish immigrants and the daughter of a schizophrenic. I'm a person for whom imagination, creativity, and unique ways of seeing made me have to come up with ways to translate experiences into words. It's an ongoing area of fascination for me. You asked me a little bit about things I have done. I was in an all-girl punk band in the Rust Belt, Pittsburgh, where I wrote the lyrics and played drums. I moved to San Francisco where I co-created and published two lit zines, Xerox photocopied, mailed them out across the country and also distributed them in the city. I curated and performed at spoken word and music performances. I ran a gallery out of my house. I did my first solo performance in 2017. And that was spurred on because as a writer, I felt like I was always holding a piece of paper up in front of me and reading from it. And I wrote very emotional things. And in a way that helped connect me with people in other ways, I felt like it was keeping a barricade between us. So I wanted to do something risky. Performing for me is a unique mix of certainty and uncertainty because you have to memorize the lines, get them in your body so you know where you are on the stage. It grounds you so you can be fully in the moment and take risk. That's awesome. I, I love how you just said that. And your show in 2017 was fabulous. I am so glad I went out to San Francisco to see it. It was so moving. Can you tell us a little about your motivation for creating the show and what you wanted the audience to get out of it? Kelly, sometimes I feel there's too much of a focus on what the audience is going to get out of something or that we're creating things for the audience, which can actually be a way to censor ourselves. 
we might feel, well, I can't say this because it's going to turn them off or they're going to be scared or they're going to be triggered or any number of experiences that may censor us or stop us from telling our story if we're thinking about the audience. So, yes, there is going to be an audience at a performance and we want them to I want them to be engaged on some level. But I'm not, they're not my primary concern. My teacher had said that we have to take care of the audience. And I don't agree with that. I feel like the audience needs to know that we are fully immersed in what we are doing so they don't feel like they have to take care of us. Ooh. Ooh, I love that. I've been okay. in coaching groups where someone's telling a really uncomfortable story and people are rushing in with Kleenex and trying to take care of them. And that's putting shame on their story in a way, even though I know that's not probably not the intent of the person who's doing that. Mm -hmm. So I want to evoke all my things I've done in my creative life have been a bit provocative, but they're also true. It's truly how I feel and creativity in the stage is a place where I feel I can be all of who I am without having to censor any part of myself. Love that. And all right. And so that, yes, a byproduct. No, go sorry, ahead. go on. No, 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 no. You go on. A byproduct was that people came up to me and told me I feel less alone. I didn't know that anyone else ever went through this. I didn't know that it was okay to feel that way. All my life, I've been trying to hide this or get rid of it. So thank you for doing this. And it was that was my first time ever performing in that way, which did encourage other people to do it, though I didn't set out with this intention of I'm going to perform for the first time and it's going to make other people think that they could do it. It was a risk that I set for myself. Once you step out from backstage onto the stage, there's no turning back. You have to do it. And that's very uncertain. I had no idea if I was going to be able to do that. I had never done it before, but I felt like that's why I needed to do it. And some people would say this makes me uh, selfish. And I'm not concerned about you know, that I'm doing it for myself. My motivation in most of the things I do is I'm doing it for myself. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes sense. When you are creating and performing something that personal, of course, you're doing it for yourself. And like you said, how the audience perceives it and what they get from it is, is a byproduct of it. And yes, you would love them to get it positively, if you will. Well, I'm, I'm going to retract that word because we can talk later about how you, how you and I feel about the words positive and negative. Okay. So it's great if they have a, an emotional response to it, but like you said, that's not the goal. I know that when I paint or have created short films, they are so personal that that same thing there for me, I need to get them out. I need to get them into the world publicly, but it's for me. And certainly there's a part of me that hopes that the audience, the viewer, the, the listener, the reader will have a response that somehow aligns with my intention, but I'm okay if they don't. 
it's like a bonus when they do. It's a bonus when they tell mm-hmm. me you inspired me to be more of myself or to express these feelings that I was stifling. But the bottom line is I just had to get it out for myself. Mm-hmm. So this ties in perfectly with your course, Tell Your Story. Can you tell us how you came up with that course and what your intention with it was and is? I was feeling the weight of the untold story that people were carrying around and that they may die with that story in them untold. And I wanted to create a space where they knew that they could come. I wasn't sure what I was going to be able to do. It was uncertainty. I was certain about I could create that space. I was uncertain about how they'd respond or what I would actually do. I didn't have a full map planned out. I'm very in the moment when I'm doing the work that I do and going with whatever's in front of me to do. So I knew I could create the space. I knew because of the way that I talk about my own life and how I write that they knew I wasn't holding anything back. There was nothing. I wasn't trying to sugarcoat my life or say that you only had to be positive or that you couldn't talk about certain subjects. And I feel that everybody has an untold story in them. And that's a lot to be carrying around with you. I also felt like people were frozen in the certainty of if I tell my story or speak my truth, other people will get hurt. They'll get mad at me. They'll say I'm crazy. I'm going to lose friends. When in in my reality, (laughs) not telling that story was keeping them from true intimacy, from really having friends. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. Because you're keeping up this facade and people, we're keeping up this facade. And then people are attracted to this facade. Then the cracks start to show as they will, because there's only so long you can keep parts of you hidden. It's going to come out in sniping or lashing out at people or just feeling uncomfortable. You know that there's something not quite right in the situation. Yeah. I wanted to provide that space where people could come and talk about those things, write about those things that they felt weren't quite right Mm -hmm. to see what would come out of that and Mm -hmm. to question what they believe that they were certain about as if Mm -hmm. there's facts. This is the way it happened. People say that a lot to me. And I say that myself. Anytime you hear me saying people say I'm including myself in those people, that's not the way it happened. I have to tell it the exact way that it happened. Mm-hmm. And then we, we trap ourselves in that where we can't tell it a different way. And then we're going to be stuck in some version of a story that may make us feel good or victim me. Mm-hmm. However, it's making us feel, but it's, but it's keeping us stuck. Mm. So what do you have your students do in Tell Your Story? We start with writing from prompts. So I will give them a prompt and then we free write for eight to 12 minutes. Also use fill in the blanks, F-I-L-L, where I'll give them a phrase and they fill in a blank with one to five words. The more words we use, the further away from the experience we get. Mm. And then whatever comes up from that, I'll, I bring them on for one-on-one they're going to read. I'm going to stop them when something feels, I would say, not true. That can be triggering to some people who feel 
how do you know what's true? I don't know what the absolute truth is, but it just feels, you know, there's something you're not saying there. There's something that you're leaving out. Mm-hmm. And that generally evokes, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about this part, or I haven't wanted to say that. Now that you say that, I'm remembering that this is how I felt. Another way that comes out, Kelly, is, will freeze moments in one emotion. I was really angry. Well, what else were you feeling? Mm-hmm. Yeah, anger is always the feelings. Yeah, anger is always the easy one, isn't it? It seems like it. It seems like it. But it seems like people hesitate to get more nuanced with their feelings or really admit how they were feeling other than, oh, I was feeling angry. It just seems to me like people can hide behind anger when anger may be hiding other deeper emotions. Do you find that? That's an an interesting question because I said it seems like it and then thought I've equally... I don't know about equally, but I've had, I've also had people for whom hurt is easiest, mm. feeling hurt, and those mm. ones don't want to feel the anger. Oh, true. Yeah, you do tend to work with people who hesitate to rage or feel anger, and you are particularly mm-hmm. good at helping them do that, really access their anger. And get over the fear of it. Yeah, it's, it's to me, it's life force. There's life force energy in rage. Anger is keeping us from rage. It can be frozen anger. It can be not as scary, I think, anger as rage would be. Mm-hmm. That simmering, that simmering anger, that held in anger. Sometimes it will come across as people will use the word frustration. Mm. Sometimes that's in, well, um, frustration is your. To me, frustration trying feels not to put your, stuck. Yeah, not trying to put your foot on the gas is what I was thinking. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Like when I feel frustrated, I'm not sure what to do, or I feel like I'm struggling with a thing or a person. Like, I don't have control or I'm losing control. I think frustration can tie into what we're talking about uncertainty because Mm -hmm. what you have been doing no longer works Mm -hmm. yet. You keep doing it over and over and over again, possibly from that. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm so frustrated. I've, I'm trying to control something or I'm trying to get this person to agree or to do what I want them to do, or I'm trying to make things go the way that I want them to go. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, we could step away and feel all your feelings always. I'm a person who feel all your feelings always, but that's where uncertainty is trying to come in and we're fighting it with, no, it, ha- it has to be this way. Yeah, that makes so sense. So I'm frustrated. If I get frustrated, I'll, I usually go outside and I usually move, mm-hmm. do something physical, and I'll usually get something that. I haven't thought of. Mm-hmm. 
and I'll do that. And I'm, it's not, I'll do that because it's the definite right answer. You know, so mm -hmm. part of me may still be going, that seems crazy. What does that have to do with anything? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I see all that as under uncertainty. So it's, well, let me just try. I don't have to do it for the rest of my life. I'm going to do it in this moment because that's what I got. So that opens up what you're saying there about like moving, going outside and getting these ideas that goes into one of my ideas of uncertainty. And that is that it has the ability to open up possibilities. So it's not that I necessarily always like uncertainty, but I try to have the perspective that it is presenting options, that it is, it can be this space of infinite possibilities. How do you see uncertainty? Like, I know that you like it. So why mm -hmm. is that? One of the reasons that I like it is because I do better when I don't have to have a guaranteed outcome. Mm. Wow. Let's just see what happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it may or may not work out. Doesn't mean don't do it. Yeah. It's a very moment to moment way to be with whatever's in front of me. Mm -hmm. It takes pressure off. <laughs> I can say the phrase because there's no guarantees and nothing is certain. Do I always mm -hmm. believe that? No, but, I, <laughs> but another part of me does believe that. So I like it because it's the, that's part of the creative process for me is uncertainty. I'm mm -hmm. not a essay writer in the way that I, here's my theory and this, I'm, I have these things to prove it and I'm going to X, Y, Z. You know, it's like, huh. Uh, if I'm asking myself why or why not, I start writing. I'm uncertain about the thing. I don't know. What else could this mean? And writing that, it's like, oh, I was certain. Or sometimes I was certain it was this. And then when I was writing, I'm like, oh, it's, it's this whole other thing. Mm. So, yeah, I agree with you about the, I agree with you about opening up these possibilities. I also feel called to do things even I don't know if this would precisely fit under uncertainty, but it feels to me in that space, in that uncertain space, I usually get something. I'll get a hit, I'll get an image, I'll get a couple of words, something in my body. And I trust that. I trust that. I trust what I get even when I don't know what it means. Mm -hmm. And I feel that needing to know what it means is something that keeps people stuck. And that's so hard because, uh, yeah, people do, we tend to want to the point of needing to understand what things mean. We really want to assign meaning and, and purpose to everything, often to our I detriment. I feel like we mostly assign, yeah, I feel like we mostly assign meaning with a rear view mirror. Yes, Yes. It meant this in the past, so it probably means that now. Or I have no idea what it means, but in order to make my story sound better, I'm, I'm going to say this meant this person was a narcissist. You know, or yeah. this meant uh, I shouldn't have done that. And yeah. I'm more into in the, un, I don't, in the uncertainty and in the way that I teach tell your story 
give us that moment where you were so on board with sleeping with that person or doing that drug or running away from home or whatever it was, quitting your job. Like really let us feel the freedom in that, even if it ends up going south. Tell us about that later. Don't send pre-shadow every upcoming event in your life that might seem like that could that guy could possibly be like that guy that did that thing you know mm, mm-hmm. so it's you know we get frozen in that that reminds me of so and so and they hurt me so i'm just going to shut down to that we're in that uncertainty we're falling in intrigue or curiosity about what this experience is going to what's what the experience just being in the experience, not even what the experience is going to be or bring. Just I'm totally giving myself over to this experience. I don't know what's going to happen. And part of that is exciting to me. Yeah, I love that. Not pre-shadowing, foreshadowing what, what we already know from hindsight when telling a story. That, that's really great because even I am guilty of doing that when I'm looking back on my life, sometimes assigning meaning, you know, so often we, we use the phrase, you know, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a purpose. Even when, you know, I don't believe that. I don't believe that there is a reason or a purpose for everything. If we want to assign meaning to something, we can do that. But I don't believe that the universe necessarily says, I'm going to make this or allow this to happen to you for blah, blah, blah purpose. I, mm-hmm. I just don't think that's the case. You know, people say, even if the, the purpose is to learn some lesson, there are just things that are too horrible that I just don't think are necessarily lessons. I do believe in randomness too. So it's fine if we want to look back and assign meaning to something, you know, I enjoy doing that as well, but, um, you know, and I certainly enjoy finding threads in my life, but, um, yeah, being comfortable with uncertainty is difficult. And, and I think that's, that's part of it by definition. I want, I want people to question the meanings that they've come up with from past experiences. And I love what you said about the finding the threads. Mm-hmm. We could find those threads and we could weave them together in some sort of a picture, you know, and then we have to take that picture apart, take that web apart and go back and weave them together in a different way and see what that picture looks like. Oh, that's great. One of the things that I work with during the Tell Your Story calls and please know, people who are listening, as I say to my students, this isn't about critiquing writing. I'm not a writing teacher. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for what's not being said and where we're distancing, where we're using language to distance ourselves from our own story, other people, whatever that's going to end up looking like. So one of the things people read, whatever they got, either from the prompt or they bring something to class to read. And they'll, if, I, if they go all the way through it at the end, I'll ask them, what's new to you? What didn't you already know in that piece? We'll look for something new. People will come with moments. I'll ask them about a moment. No, nothing like that ever happened to me. I was 
I was shut down from the time I can remember, you know, mm-hmm. it, and we can, if we keep, if we keep going with it, if we're really working with someone that we trust is not going to shame us for one of these moments, it's like find the moment before that shutdown, find the moment where you were outside naked dancing in your backyard. I did that. I went outside poop, you know, with no clothes on, pooped outside between these two buildings, you know, <laughs> was doing my thing and totally in it, loving it until why would you do something like that? What are the neighbors going to think? So we can all find those moments where we were so in that moment and just reveling in it, whatever that revelation looked like, angry, happy, completely wrapped up in it. And then it shut down. And now we're like, we use that I can't, we're knowing we can never do that again, or we think we can never do that again, because last time I did that, people didn't love me, or I got punished, or I got shamed, or I got this, that, or the other thing. But when we get back into the moment where we were doing it, it opens up the possibility of being able to do it again. Mm-hmm. And even if it only lasted for a couple seconds or a couple minutes, mm-hmm. we, you and I have talked before about how fleeting experiences well that didn't mean anything because it was fleeting i Mm -hmm. wasn't able to sustain it i felt free for four seconds but i'm not really free because if i was really free i'd be able to feel it all the time i don't feel free all the time by any means Mm -hmm. but i can tap into those moments where i did feel free and then use that to know that i can feel free again Mm -hmm. yeah we talked a little about that i believe when you were on talking about toxic positivity, those fleeting feelings and how people chase happiness, which is inherently fleeting. And we're not going to be happy all the time. And it's toxic positivity to tell people that you can be or, um, yeah, I think that that ties into this uncertainty as well. Yeah. So I love what you said there about bringing back out the, what we felt in those fleeting moments and still being able to value them. We can't just try to negate them or shouldn't try to negate them just because they were fleeting. They still happened. Yes. And that's where the assigning meaning, an overlay of assigning meaning to me in that because I did it once and this happened, this was the lesson I was supposed to learn (laughs) (laughs) because I did this once. If I do it again, that same thing's going to happen. And it, it might, if we're so focused on, let me create this, let me do this in a way that's going to set me up for failure. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have, who knows? I did that show. I was uncertain. I have no, I was prepared as much as I could be. I rehearsed. I had those lines memorized. I had them in my body still didn't mean that when I walked on that stage, I was going to be able to do it. And possibly I could have done that in some way that made it a failure. So then I, well, I was right all along. I should have never tried that. Who do I think I am? You know, Mm -hmm. these other people have been performing for years. They have teachers, they're actors, you know, but that punk rock spirit from the days in my punk band also helps because maybe sometimes I'm on the other side of the equation where, if it gets predictable, I don't want to do it anymore. Like in the mm-hmm. punk band when they wanted to, we should practice more. We'd get better if we practice more. I, I started to lose interest in that. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my god. Now we're going to be rotely doing these songs. I know now that that's probably not true because I saw from how many times I rehearsed my show that to really get it in my body, I had to do it. And as much as I love words as a person who writes, when you're memorizing and getting something in your body, you're cutting words left and right. It's completely unnecessary. It sounds good, but we don't need it. It's taking up time. Mm-hmm. The other words aren't going to have as much impact if there's a zillion words around them. Mm. Good that writing doesn't, I mean, good writing in the sense of, oh, that's a beautifully captured metaphor, you know, or, uh-huh. oh, that's a beautiful phrase doesn't necessarily, I'm not against those by any means, but in Tell Your Story, when we're trying to get to the truth of people's stories, those are often covering up what's underneath it. Pieces of people will peek through. Mm. I'm not sure what to write. People say to me, well, I didn't, I'm just sitting there and I'm not writing anything from this prompt. And I decided I want to have something to read when you call on me. So in that moment of uncertainty, it wasn't a topic that they felt they could nail and write their prescribed mm. version of what, how they usually respond to that topic. And then little pieces of them peek through and that will be the place where I'll go, wow, did you hear that one line? Well, that that doesn't sound like me. That's nothing I've ever said before. <laughs> I think there's a moment earlier in your life that you might have said that. That that younger you is trying to peek through and tell you this. And it might not always be the younger you. It could be someone from five days ago. But it, it seems like in Tell Your Story, it's often people of an abandoned part of themselves from childhood that's peeking through. Mm-hmm. Probably before they learned some kind of, quote, lesson that taught them that whatever they were doing was bad and shouldn't do it again or can't do it again, because then that same repercussion would happen that we were talking about earlier. And that's how we learn that. That's how we come to believe that if we do whatever thing again, whatever fleeting quote, positive feeling we had from it originally well, we got reprimanded or shamed for it right afterwards. So, of course, you know, we're taught as kids that the same thing will happen again. The negative thing will happen again. Mm. That's how we learn. And it's hard to get over that as adults when it's something that could benefit us. You know, some things we do just need to do again or try again and see what happens. Some lessons need to be unlearned, don't they? Yes. It sounds like you're helping your students do that and tell your story. It's definitely an interesting space where, you know how it goes with groups, people, it will seem like there's a theme going on. I've seen this, definitely I've seen, saw that when I was in coaching communities or spiritual communities where people come together and a similar theme would keep popping up and they would tend to say, well, let's use you for an example, you know, that say, well, Kelly is sharing this experiences for all of us. Her sharing this experience is going to heal all of us. And maybe there's some truth in that, but that it was too often used as, well, now that Kelly was brave enough to stand up there and say this thing, I don't have to. Mm. Or her version was so 
extreme, how could I talk about mine? Because I didn't have it as extreme as she did. And I find in writing what we do in Tell Your Story, I push people to the extremes, whether it happened to them or not. Because Mm -hmm. when something is very extreme, you can't hold it in anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I like that. I like that space of extreme, you know, the extreme extreme experience. Mm Mm-hmm. And it is all relative, isn't it? I mean, my extreme is going to be different from someone else's extreme. And I don't think that it it just doesn't serve us to censor ourselves or to try to tell ourselves, oh, well, I need to get over how I'm feeling about this because my situation isn't nearly as bad as theirs. Or Mm -hmm. I live in the first world and I haven't been physically abused or haven't lost someone to gun violence or, you know, name anything. So I'm, I'm really lucky, you know, and I am. So does that mean that I should just ignore the hurts that I do have in my life? You know, of course not, but we are tempted to do that. Like you said, when we hear someone else's story and it's tragic and worse than ours, but you don't let your students do that, like cop out and just say, you know, or check out and say, my story isn't as bad. So I shouldn't share. Whatever it is that they need to free themselves from, I'm going to be a stand for that part of themselves that's trapped under the weight of the untold story. And sometimes it's a story of, uh, I've had this with clients and myself who don't think it's okay to have fun. (laughs) Mm. We've got to do this hard work, you know, because certainly hard work makes uncertainty go away. If I only work hard enough, (laughs) everything will work out. That's the lesson, which Mm -hmm. I certainly was raised with. You know, I noticed that in jobs that I had where like I'm staying late, you know, I'm like really yearning for someone to tell me I'm doing a good job. And it's for something I don't even care about, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that whole where we where we can be where we can play on that spectrum you know it's not everyone shows up and they have this tragedy or all this anger rage grief inside them that they're holding in and they're not telling the story they're often not telling the story of something really fun about themselves that's really interesting yeah the the you know, different things creative kid who yes speaking for speaking for myself and for the some of the students that come to this is I didn't so much get the thing about you can't make money from that because nobody ever talked to me about any kind of a career choice right so I didn't hear that you can't make money as an artist they were they weren't even thinking in that type of way where maybe people from families where they were going to go to college you know were saying you can't major in art you're never going to make money we're not spending all this money so you can play you know mm-hmm. but that that free spirited part of them that has an imagination that they now they can't use their imagination in their stories because they were told their imagination would get them in trouble. So we mm-hmm. have to free that part of them by mm-hmm. make it up. What's going to happen? You know, like just imagine, pretend, make it up. Well, that's not what happened. I know. Imagine, <laughs> pretend, make it up. <laughs> Let's just see what else could have happened if we use our imagination. I got in trouble for using my imagination. 
luckily it it didn't shut it down, but I can mm-hmm. sympathize and empathize with people who it did. And I'm very good at getting them to start using it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are rare that way, that how you were raised didn't shut you down because how other people were raised really did shut them down. I mean, that, that seems to be the norm. And you are really good at helping people move through that or overcome it. People tried really hard to get that to shut down in me. So I'm not making, I don't want to make light of, well, I'm just some person who wasn't impacted by that. You know, Mm -hmm. I was sent, I was in the office more times than you can count. You know, I was because of my father's schizophrenia, I was under this microscope that I was the one, you know, I was the child that was going to inherit that. You know, mm-hmm. any place where I was using my imagination, I was crazy. Yeah. I'm not, and you know, you know, because you're my friend, that certainly I had moments in my life where I did start, I did think that. I read voraciously about schizophrenia when I got to 30, which at the time they said, once you pass 30, you know, you're much less likely to have an episode. I was like, woohoo, free at last. (laughs) (laughs) Free at last. So I had that struggle with inside myself. It didn't shut down my creativity, though, because somehow I knew that my creativity and my imagination were all I had, in a way, all I had. Mm Mm-hmm. That was who I was. If I didn't have that, I would be nobody, particularly in a a blue collar working class type of a place, you know, where Mm -hmm. they're trying to stamp you into, this is how women look. This is what's beautiful. You're going to get married. You're going to have children. You're going to get a job. You're going to go to the bar once a week, church on Sunday, and you're going to die. I was never going that, I was never going that path. And I don't feel anything negative or bad about that path. It's a beautiful thing that works for a lot of people. But, you know, I was just like somewhere, somewhere out there, there's people that are, are like this. There are people that are feeling these ways that have nobody to talk to about it. And I'm going to put this out into the world. Didn't think that clearly on it as a child, but I got pen tells. was writing letters to people in other countries, you know, like mm. just throwing out a lifeline. Yeah, I, yeah, hopefully I didn't imply that it was easy for you because I know it wasn't. But you have this indomitable spirit that is so creative that it just had to come out, had to stay out. And you would just die if you couldn't be creative. Completely. And for the for the people listening, I was I didn't think that you were implying that. Sometimes I just think about because of words, people yeah. may hear this even though it's not what exactly. was said. Yeah. So on those same lines, along those same lines, I'm not creating something every I'm not creating 30 hours a week. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm living creatively and that's not based for me on output yeah i'm looking at things creatively i have a part-time job where those clients love you know oh that was so creative that you came up with that or oh i never noticed that i love how you look at things so creative in that way it's just my way of being that's not based on output we can get into trouble when we're thinking well i'm this creative person but i'm I don't have any output. Of course, I want you to have output as well. I want myself to have output as well. And I don't want to limit or label what creativity means. That's a great point. 
because I know that you really want your clients to take action, but I think that that's different. Am I right? From output, like, I mean, not, or, or sorry, results. Is that correct? Yeah. That like, yeah. That is correct. Versus results. Yeah. That you care about them. No, go ahead. Oh, that you care more about their taking action than about what results they get from the actions. Ties straight into our topics of uncertainty because they're not taking action because they're waiting or they can't be waiting for a clear cut action, something that's going to get a result or my version of action in that uncertainty places just take a action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then something, then sometimes when you take an action from that uncertain place, well, this doesn't make any sense, but you know, I'm getting this, I'm getting this feeling to do this. So I'm going to do it. And then that can unfold a whole string of things that come from that. Again, I'm not wed to that. The whole string of things has to unfold, but the un- uncertainty living in uncertainty is taking an action when you're uncertain. Yeah. And it helps you get through the uncertainty. Not that things are necessarily be go- be going to become crystal clear afterward, but I think that taking the action does help create clarity because you're doing something and taking that step helps reveal the path. Well, though, I believe you're creating your path, (laughs) you're blazing your own trail as opposed to the path being laid out for you, but however you want to view it is, is fine. Well, something people may be able to relate to is if we looked at this through the lens of improvisation, you might have heard that phrase about yes and. Oh, yeah. So that's an uncertain moment. We don't know what's going to, you know, if you don't, if you say something, you have to say something. Yes, and they give, they hand you a line and you have to respond to it in some sort of a way, not shut down. I'm not certain what the next thing is to say. So I'm just going to stand here. Then there's five minutes of silence on the stage or you just say something and then the next line comes to them or they say the next thing. But if we're waiting, I can't say anything till I'm certain. I just, you know, we're staring, we're staring at people silent on stage. Mm -hmm. Embracing the uncertainty and responding to it in my case with action, with an action is unfreezing a moment. That's wonderful. I love the visual of that. People can't get frozen in that uncertainty. Certainly clients that I work with, I tend to attract people who struggle with trusting what they know that can't be proven. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for someone outside of themselves to confirm it or validate it. Mm. And say the other person doesn't, specifically in like a psychic reading, you know. Uh Oh, no, I don't think so. I think you're off there. Uh, well, and now it, I'm uncertain of what I know because someone else didn't confirm it, where I feel that writing creativity is, what, what is that all about? It's about uncertainty. It's about going and following your impulses, going into what's calling to you at the moment, never necessarily being certain what's going to come out of it. I'm sure you've had that experience as a, in your painting and other things that you do where 
we're, when we're trying, we're saying it's going to be this thing. And then all this info is coming in, like, paint this, do this, move this mm-hmm. way. No, no, no. Cause it doesn't match my outcome. Yeah. And then okay. our outcome isn't good because we lost all that spontaneity. that was coming yep. up in the uncertainty. It's an interesting cycle. Yeah, totally. And what's the worst thing that could happen? I'm not, there's, it's not, we don't have to be some way in every single area of our life. You know, mm-hmm. I might be a lot less, I might be a lot more comfortable with uncertainty and uh, creativity or my living where I'm living at any given mm-hmm. moment. I'm not always great with uncertainty and finances. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't want anyone to get any kind of idea that you have to be able to do this thing in every single aspect of your life or talking and tell your story about one aspect of their life that they're specifically here to unfreeze. And sometimes it's not the one that they thought it was. Mm. Yeah. You know, like they'll show up thinking, well, I need to uh, free my voice. And as Mm -hmm. we're working through it, it's not actually really that at all. It's something else. So I think that uncertainty can be beautiful, but you have to be trusting the person that you're working with that they're seeing what some people would call your blind spot or they're seeing what you can't see for yourself Mm -hmm. and trusting that. Going with that uncertainty, even if you're saying, well, no, I don't think so. That really doesn't sound like me. Well, what if it was? Mm -hmm. Let's just play with that. Let's see what happens. Because we can be wanting to wake up in ourselves something that we perceive as, quote, good, you know, or yeah, that would right. make us a better person and trying to keep the thing asleep that we feel is negative or we should have got rid of. Or if I didn't have this, then I'd be, then everything would be great. If I wasn't so mousy, then everything would be great. You know, if I wasn't yeah. so impatient, everything would be great. If I didn't have to say how I feel all the time then everything would be great. You know, someone brought up a thing, someone brought up to me that they can't say anything unless it's authentic, which sounds fantastic, right? Like, oh, that's, that's amazing. And then I asked them the question about what does that often lead to you not speaking at all? And they said, yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, it's uh it's authentic but i can't i can't say the inauthentic thing i know the authentic thing but i can't say it because they might not like me or what if i'm wrong so then we're sitting there silent so what you just said about waking up in us the other day you paraphrased a quote that went along the lines of when you're looking for a mentor it's because the mentor is going to wake up something in you I loved that. So it's really different from that saying about when the student is ready, the teacher appears, something like that. I, I mm-hmm. really like this that you shared because it's like you're ready for something to be awakened. And there's this uncertainty that you might not know what it is. Because like what you just described, your students may say, may think it's one thing or may, they may say it's one thing and you're hearing or and sensing something else. Mm-hmm. How do you see that working? I understand that in the coaching world, that's often 
a phrase that people use in their marketing copy. Are you ready for $5,000 a day? You know, <laughs> Are you ready for the love of your life? Mm-hmm. To me, the uncertainty is there is no ready nor not ready. This is the thing that's happening right now. Ooh. And am I using I'm not ready for it or I am ready for it as a buffer? I'm ready to be, I, I'm finding this mentor because something in me is ready to be awakened. You know, but not that thing. Right. <laughs> so that's where I feel like when we have an idea of what it is, and it might be accurate. I'm certainly not implying that in all cases, people don't know. Mm-hmm. But we're playing with, you know, contrarian perspectives in some ways. So what I see more often is, I'm ready, but not for, not that, not that. Keep that part asleep. That's the part that's going to ruin my life. You know, that's the part I've been, I spent all these years trying to not awaken because even though it's the very important part of that person that usually ties in with their life purpose or what they're here to do, I'm not ready for that. I'm ready for some knowledge. I'm ready for some information. I'm ready for whatever it is, you know, the thing that's postponing, keeping the the real thing at bay. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's great about trusting whoever you're working with, if you have a mentor, that they see something in you that either you don't see or you see it, but you don't like it. That that's why you would be hiring someone. I mean, I don't think you would want to hire someone who is helping you only with what you say you want help with. I, I mean, when I hire someone to work with me, coach, mentor, whatever, I want them to dig deeper. I'm expecting them to see something that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And something you just said made me think of the phrase, never wake a sleeping dragon. Mm. We need to wake up that sleeping dragon. That's like our power. And that mentor should help us identify what our sleeping dragon is. You do that. You're really good at it. Well, and in my world, we are going to wake up that sleeping dragon and we're not going to, well, how about I wake up that butterfly? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or whoever it is. If it is their their butterfly that they're really afraid of wakening up, that's who will waken up. But often it's, I love that it's dragon because dragons are scary to some people. So they're, well, no, I can't. No, that's too much. You know, what if it, what if it, what's the word you know what if that fire yeah annihilates everything in front of it i don't know what's going to happen it's uncontrollable it's unpredictable or i'll wake it up when i'm sure that i can use it just in this one area of my life but things don't work out that way when you wake up whatever it is that's woken up depending on how long you know or how it feels about that waking up it could be very chaotic in the beginning of waking that up mm-hmm. yeah it's not always well i woke that up and now i'm completely free you know like i woke that up it felt really great for a couple seconds you know it felt really <laughs> great for a couple minutes totally 
celebrate that. And now I feel myself shutting down. You know, I, I wanted it to do more. I had these expectations. I thought it was going to be about this. Mm -hmm. You know, it it's never, not, it not going to feel great. Sorry. I was just saying it never seems to be exactly the way that someone thought it was going to be because there's yeah. just been so much energy there's so much energy around, but it's a dragon. Can it be something else? Can I wake up that? Can I, can I be more gentle? Can I get something else? So like, why do I have to have a dragon? Why me? Why yeah. this? You know, and in that untold story, that's part of the story. You know, that struggle yeah. that you had, that internal struggle or conflict you had, as well as the external struggle or conflict you had with wanting to be someone that you're not. Yeah. And learning to be who you are. Yeah. Are you ready to be who you are? Is, is that a yes or no question? You know, it's a very provocative question that brings up a lot of things as you're asking it. But bottom line is, I believe we're here to be who we are. And I'm hoping to help as many people I can do that before they die. That's awesome. And you're right. You With said earlier. Inside them. Sorry. I just said with that self inside them, I don't want anyone to, I don't want anyone that crosses my path to die with their self or their untold story inside them. Yeah, that's beautiful. And, and you said a few minutes ago about it could be a sleeping butterfly. Totally. Could be a sleeping fox. You know, it could be anything. It, it doesn't have to be a big, scary dragon for everything, for everyone, but that butterfly could be scary. And you know, it's not going to feel great when it first wakes up, even if it is a butterfly, because think about how you feel when you first wake up. Like I usually feel disoriented or if I'm coming out of a weird dream, like I may not know where I am, or I may feel uh, pissy or just really shitty or whatever. And like, if my son wakes me up abruptly in the middle of the night, I am upset. I'm angry. You know, it's like, why did you wake me up? I was totally mm -hmm. fine asleep. So yeah, it's not going to feel good right away, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't wake it up. That's a great point as there's different experiences that we're going to have with that. Cause I wake up, I would be someone that would wake up feeling great, but then I'm going to have a harder time sustaining it. Mm. So yeah. that initial impulse of like, I woke up the sleeping dragon. Woohoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, that feels great. Now what do I do? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Versus, oh, it's woke up and it's sleepy and maybe it's crabby or it doesn't know. So again, this is what I love about the work that I do is there is no one size fits all. We're, we're, I love hearing everyone's different perspective and how they experience it. Because then you know, if you're in a group where everyone's experiencing it as I wake up and I'm out of sorts and it doesn't really feel good, then they may be, well, let's take six months then, and then maybe it will feel good. You know, if you're in a group mm -hmm. like me where it's like, I want this to feel great immediately, and then you're in that group and you don't feel that way, then you might feel there's something wrong with me. All these other people are having this wake up immediately and they feel great. So I think it's fabulous when we get, that's why I don't like this like minded people thing. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. I want to be around people that are having 
oh, that's how you experience that. Well, that's, I never thought of that. You know, yeah. like you just said about how you wake up. It's like, oh, okay. So I was trying to get you to be this way that I experienced that without respecting. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So you're going to, you're going to do it that way. And that's part of your, that's part of the way that you're telling the story. I think mm-hmm. that's so fabulous to have cannot be around people that expect it to be on a certain timetable. Yeah. I know you usually like to avoid the terms positive and negative, but what are the positives that come out of uncertainty? To me, the biggest freedom that comes with uncertainty is the not knowing what's going to (laughs) happen because it lets you do things differently because you can't use one of your tried and true blueprints or plans. Plans. You can be more open to being in the moment when you don't feel responsible for the outcome. And uncertainty is telling us we're, 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 there's no guarantee of the outcome here. What are you going to do when you're not trying to get a certain outcome? That's and I great. find that very freeing. I find that very freeing because it can bring in outcomes that we never even considered. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. we have to go off path when we're in a, where the old tried and true does not work. That's why the uncertainty is coming in. Yeah. Yeah, or go off what we thought was our path, but that ties into my refrain about blazing your own trail. So mm-hmm. it, it's not this uh, prescribed path, you know, this preset path. It's in every moment we're choosing our path. And you're right. I, I love, love that. that. That's, yeah, this is a, a total positive to the uncertainty. It gives us that choice of what our next step is going to be. If you're too certain about what that path is, you said blazing your own path, blazing your own trail. And I've, I find that you have to be innovative in that because if you're too certain in it, you're going to get stuck. Something's going to come up where, you know, well, I, I thought it was this. And it might still be at the end. I'm not saying it isn't. Yeah. It might still be. But there'll be a moment that will happen where I'm blazing my own trail towards whatever it is, you know, and then it's like, oh, what does this have to do with that? Well, I'll just throw it to the side because it doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. But it's a big piece that you're then going to walk by because we're uncertain about how it gets into the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I would say, take some time, write on that, make art about it. You know, how does this, not even how does it fit in, but why did this come up at this moment in time? And even though I'm not certain how it fits in, I'm going to engage with it in some way. Because I, I teach my clients to be very strategic in what they do, in the actions that they take, in, you know, particularly building their businesses and specifically with their marketing. But that doesn't mean that, like you just said, they should throw to the side something that on the surface doesn't seem to fit in, they absolutely should consider it, think about it, write about it, really take a hard look at it from a creative and innovative perspective, because giving it just a cursory look, you, you don't know for sure. Once you're on that, once you're blazing that trail, once you're blazing that path, no one's done it. I get. I know what you said very beautifully in your newsletter about being unique in your podcast, where 
certainly the topic other people have talked about, but no one has done it in exactly the way that you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. So when you start doing it your own way, something's going to come up that might seem like it doesn't fit in. Mm -hmm. Well, how does that fit into this topic or how does that fit into this theme? Well, it might not for the other 999 people doing that, but that's what helps make what you're doing unique because you're bringing in this element that 999 other people would have thrown away because they don't think it has anything to do with that. Exactly. Yeah. Which you are so great on when you work with, when I worked with you on branding, which you were so great at that, you know, like having that thing that, huh, well, look at that. Let's bring this piece in. Maybe it does have something to do with this, even though it doesn't seem like it on the surface. Mm-hmm. Kind of, yeah. It reminds me of details in, in dreams or in readings or different metaphysical things that we might be doing, like taking a journey. And some people would tell you like, the, the the transitional moments don't really matter. It's just what you saw at the end of the journey. Sometimes I don't Ooh. see anything at the end of the journey. And mm-hmm. if I if I just ignored all those transitional moments or things that I saw in the way, there would be nothing at the end of that journey. Yeah. Oh, the transitions are fabulous. And we're all different. Yeah. Yeah. They really are. And you just, you just where there's a tendency to want to brush those off for some people like, well, that doesn't really matter because it was just leading you towards this thing, this big mm-hmm. thing at the end of the journey. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't personally believe that. I think that those things, we don't want to blaze past those things and not notice them in this quest to achieve something that someone else thinks we should be achieving at the end of that journey. Yeah. Totally. I feel as if that's such an important part of be it we're talking about somebody's brand, their brand story, their tell your story in the creative way that I'm doing is that how you got there is a huge part of the story. Yes. Not, not that we're dwelling on. I don't want to dwell on the struggle necessarily, but I don't want to leave the struggle out either. Or it doesn't even have to be struggle. It's just the things that happened that got you to where you are, mm-hmm. are very crucial parts of that story. And without those, we don't really understand. Like when people are trying to do really quick transitions in writing, it's like, well, all of a sudden we're here. Mm-hmm. What happened? And again, yeah. it's that balance of, you don't need to tell me every little thing that happened, you know, mm-hmm. from here to there, but you have to give me the, the crucial thing that got you from here to there. Yeah. That is a great point, how transitions are essential to our stories. And so I'll throw in marketing for a second. They are essential to getting our ideal clients to relate to us and to show that we relate to them, to say, here's where I started and here's where I ended up is almost irrelevant if we can't tell how that transition happened. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. it looks magical and our would-be clients can't imagine how it happened. And I think that it distances us from them or us from our potential coaches, mentors, the people we'd hire, if we can't imagine how they made that transition. You know, when I see someone who is super successful 
and they don't tell me how they got there. I, it's like, well, I know you started out from nothing, but you're not telling me anything about those days. You're acting as if you started with a list of a hundred thousand, you know, several hundred thousands, Mm -hmm. but what did it really take? Tell me something about it. And when they don't, I feel this lack of trust. Do they really understand? Can they really relate? I think my, you're welcome. I think my lack of trust is they're leaving something out, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I want to know what that, I want to know what that something is or why they feel like they need to leave that part out. I did a, used to do a big festival once a year called Brouhaha, where we had different workshop leaders and exciting things would happen. And I remember during one of those saying to, in one of the workshops I was leading that your shadow always comes on stage with you and people are going to see it or feel it. So you might as well let it talk because otherwise we're just feeling they're dancing around. They're leaving this part out. And why do they think that part is bad? You know, or why do they think they shouldn't mention that part? And in the final story, it might not need to be in there, but I feel as if we need to address it, talk about it, write it. So it's Mm -hmm. not the undercurrent, you know, it's not, Mm like a magician, you know, I'm hiding behind, I'm hiding these things. Don't look at the thing in the corner. Just look here. Like they're trying to distract our attention away from this thing that might actually be a very crucial element, but someone else told them that didn't fit in. That's that great. Long. People won't hire you if you do X, Y, Z. We've all heard that. People won't hire you unless you are this. People mm-hmm. won't hire you if you blank, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but Many a time people tell me that that thing that people told me no one would hire me for is why they hired me. Yes. Yep. I've gotten that too. Yeah. If we just have it as a a sneaky or snarky, you know, undercurrent, you know, it pops out in ways that aren't the greatest, then those people are going to feel blindsided. You told me you were hiring me to help me get a hundred thousand clients, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm in there and you're questioning me about X, Y, and Z. That's not what I signed up for. So everyone's going to be different. You're fabulous in marketing and helping people with their branding just throwing it out there in case it's useful to anyone that your your thing that this thing that people are telling you is a liability could indeed be your greatest gift. Yes, absolutely. And I never wanted to cut anything off. I never wanted to amputate or cut off any part of myself in order to fit in. So I did do it at times, right? Mm-hmm. So that's part of our story. We're like, I could be saying, I never, I'm just so free spirit in and blah. I did shit. I did many of these things, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm aware of, I didn't want to do it. And I chose to do this for whatever reason at that moment in time. And if I don't deal with that, it's, it's going to bite me in the ass. Mm -hmm. So the struggle, I didn't want to do this. I can't cover up. I did it. I can't be sitting here telling you, I never did that. I've always just been, you know, like I was talking about earlier on this, conversation with the being worried about going crazy you know Mm -hmm. so I did I did all kinds of things I did all kinds of things to keep parts of me at bay that I was afraid of yet here we are at this moment where 
if I don't let those back out or if I don't let them show themselves, they're going to take my life in a direction that I might not want to go. That makes sense. And you're right. There'd be that undercurrent that people sense either before hiring you and it turns them away or that comes out fully once they have hired you. And then they're like, yeah, I didn't hire you for this false advertising, Mm -hmm. whatever. (laughs) That's great. And in the, in the uncertainty, I'm not positive that any of us know what we want. And I don't, Mm -hmm. I, we can't, that's not the right phrase. We can't in that, in that uncertainty, I don't think any of us know what we want. And in that quest to be certain, in that quest of certainty, we're pushing away things that don't seem to make sense. And in uncertainty, all those things that don't seem to make sense are trying to get our attention. Yeah. I'm uncertain of how this is going to work out. Well, great. Try it. You know, you're not committed to it for the next 20 years. Try it. You know, try it and see what happens. Because the things that we're, that we're certain about, sometimes they're great. And other times the things that we're certain about is sending is blocking people from seeing us. That makes sense. Great advice. Really good suggestions throughout. Thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this, Denise. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. And I just wanted to let you, your audience know that I'm offering free 15 minute uncertainty sessions during the month of June exclusively to the listeners of your podcast. So you're not going to see this on my website or in any of my newsletters. These are exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Oh my gosh. And that is can, so cool. They can aim. I'm really excited about it and love working in that territory. And anyone that's interested in having one, there's no, you don't have to prove anything. You, you're saying yes, gets you the session. It's a free 15 minute session on uncertainty and you can email me at denise at denise.com thank you so much that is awesome all right y'all so take denise up on that offer oh my gosh it will be amazing denise is fabulous to work with so definitely do that denise at denise.com and denise's website is denise.com i will put that link in the show notes and on this episode's page on my website So Denise, thank you again so much for being here. This has truly been awesome as I knew it would be because we always have fabulous conversations, don't we? (laughs) Because we're both willing to go into uncertainty, I believe. (laughs) Yes. We question each other in a way that's not, we, we ask questions. We don't agree on every single thing. And I love that love your perspective and I'm delighted that you had me as a guest on the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. Absolutely. So I would love it if y'all would leave a positive review and subscribe to this podcast. You can leave comments on this episode's page on my website, link in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. I will see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.